0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage, Captain Jean of the USS Enterprise. Commander Benjamin Sisko, Federation Starbase Deep Space Nine. Welcome to the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast from a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison.
1: I'm Adam Pranica. Hey! Hey! Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like today's episode is the first sports episode of Star (laughs) Trek maybe we've ever gotten, right?
0: The human drama of athletic competition.
1: My very name is racist.
0: This is ABC's Wide World of Sports.
1: And I'm not talking about a fake sport like uh, right Parisi squares, like like whatever Bashir and Kira played on in the holosuite that one time. I'm talking about a real sport, a real earthly sport,
0: a real sport that real people practice, like anbo Jitsu.
1: I I'd I'd play anbo Jitsu right now.
0: With I, the blast I'd, shield I'd,
1: down. I'd, I can't see anything. I'd play anbo Jitsu against my father. <laughs> now more than ever, Ben. This is oh boy. this is an opportunity. I feel like over the years uh, I've made some both thinly and not very thinly veiled remarks about your specific sports history and what I what I believe it to be. But I thought uh-huh. maybe maybe for the open today, you and I could talk about uh, just what our sports experience has been uh, oh, sure. growing up and up to now. I think that might make for some interesting chat. Yeah. A couple of high-performance athletic machines here on the mic.
0: <laughs> Taught, sinewy podcasters such as ourselves. Yeah. Well, I played a lot of different sports growing up. I, I, I was always in team sports from kindergarten on i was uh i played soccer when i was a little kid and then i think think um, a
1: lot of kids played soccer right like that might have been the entry point into sport for most littles well it's a
0: nice uh it's a it's a nice sport for a little because really all you need equipment wise is for your mom to take you to the weird soccer store and get (laughs) some shin guards and cleats but you I know, did like the that. feel
1: of those shin guards. The uh the the spring to the sponge of the yeah, foam yeah. on the on the part that touches your shin. I really like picking at that. That
0: was I remember being fascinated at the like layer of dry skin that I could like scrape away with a fingernail when I took the shin guards
1: off. Oh, that's so nasty.
0: <laughs> it was delicious, Adam.
1: Uh, little kid soccer, a great Tucker out the kids' sport, too, right? Just oh, yeah. running and running and running.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Then I was, after the uh, smash hit motion picture, the Mighty Ducks got into ice hockey for several years.
1: I can't believe this. I, every Every day with your podcasting partner, you want to make sure it feels like the first time.
0: Yeah, you. Want, I, you want it every time you heat up the mic to feel like the first date.
1: <laughs> I love that I'm still finding things out about you. This is great. <laughs> Hockey. You're a tall. I think a lot of people would would call you that. How yeah. were you? A, were you a, a fast, tall bloomer? Like, were you tall for the kids your age? I was always like one of the
0: tallest kids in my class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was never the tallest. Like, never once in my entire elementary through high school experience was like the tallest kid in my class. But, um, did you have crazy
1: I, growth spurts?
0: I did, but I didn't stop growing until I was like 25. Like I, I was like so six, two crazy. when I graduated <laughs> high school and I'm 6'4 Now
1: <laughs> my wife and I have been watching the Jordan documentary and one of the, like there's a lot that's funny about that doc. Like there's, uh-huh. there's comedy peppered throughout. And one of the biggest laughs that it got out of me was like Jordan goes to college at like six three, goes uh-huh. away for the summer and comes back five inches taller. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that happens. I, as Jeez. far as I know, I stopped growing my senior year of high school. Yeah, Vertically, I mean, anyway. I was
0: I was an awkward boy. I think I I think my feet stopped growing when I was like ten and a half. So I have. Size thirteen feet, and I was probably like five six when my feet got to size thirteen. <laughs>
1: Can I ask you a question? Uh, when I was growing, I sort yeah. of never thought I would stop, and so, yeah. like, at least in my household, you always you're buying for a size up to get that right. that product longevity in shoes, in pants, in shirts. I have I stopped growing, but I kept getting bigger clothes expecting that to happen. <laughs> Was there a moment in your childhood where where like you outpaced the the growth in in shoe and shirt size and at that wow. point you were like, whoa, I gotta now I, everything is too big for me and I look crazy.
0: you know it's like you saying this is kind of blowing my mind right now because I have always wondered why. It took me so long. Like I was in like my mid to late 20s before I figured out what sizes of clothes even fit
1: me. Exactly the same. Yeah.
0: And I've always ascribed that to the kind of late 90s fashion of wearing too big of clothes, you know, big big baggy pants and mm-hmm. and shirts where the where the seam is way down off the shoulder. You can't come out dressed like that. You're all puffed up. And I never made the connection that it was probably also partly that as a kid it was just i like we were firing at a moving target every time we bought clothes for me
1: it was shopping for value every time every every back to school sale was was like can we squeeze another year out of this (laughs) (laughs) yeah that really influenced that had to influence the style for kids our age and Like you, that was something that stuck with me through college and into my first job. Like, I I shudder at the pictures of myself around those times. (laughs) Like, the dumpy mall sweater that I feel like I had four of, (laughs) that all of my friends did, too.
0: Yeah. So, I got out of ice hockey partly due to that awkwardness because I was also kind of a late to puberty person. And the kids that went through puberty early were like, like it, it coincided with uh, it goes from no contact ice hockey to full checking, like, <laughs> and these kids have beards ice hockey. <laughs> and I was just getting like, like seriously injured every single game, like, wow. like walking around at school, like, like working my jaw because I'd like gone down so hard on the ice that even my full face helmet had <laughs> not protected me.
1: It's incredible to think of all the uh, undiagnosed concussions that you and I probably had in youth sports. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I got into Little League Baseball then, and that was uh, – you know, like, I hadn't done, like, a, a you know, grassy field outdoor sport since I had done soccer. So, that was kind of a, a refreshing thing to return to, and that was something I did, like, kind of middle school and maybe early high school years. But oh, yeah. I was always at schools that didn't really have, like, much of a sports program, so uh, this was all, like, you know, the local park league or whatever, and um, and eventually... Uh, I got into uh, rowing crew and that took, you know, that was like usually a practice like every single day of the week and many days there were like double ups where you'd have to be there at like 4.30 a.m. to practice and then you'd like go again after school and practice more. So I didn't really have a lot of time for like friends or anything (laughs) when I was doing that.
1: Wow. So when did your sports career effectively end then?
0: It ended when Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers came out.
1: <laughs> that is way too specific.
0: <laughs> I had like achieved the thing that I had really been working hard on in crew, which was getting my two k under seven minutes. Wow! Uh, which which means you're rowing like on a on a rowing machine, but you're rowing the equivalent of two thousand meters in less than seven minutes, and it's like a test that you do periodically and the coaches use it to assess who is going to be in which boat. But were you ever
1: scouted like by, by coaches and were like, you know, this guy, this guy might have some potential. Like, like why not give him a scholarship or something? Like, was that ever uh, on your mind? (sighs) It was not. um,
0: I wasn't scouted, but I did like when I, when I did my like college tour, I did um, like go to the boathouses at, a few of the northeastern colleges that i was interested in yeah. and like meet the like i th- I would have had to try out for any crew team but uh and, and i'm not sure if i would have gotten financial aid because of it or, or not but i'm like built for that sport like like being in like the middle of an eight-man boat and just like pulling super hard yeah. it's like it's like the only thing that i was ever like actually that good at athletically
1: man I, but
0: uh, but then that movie came out and I was like, I was doing that like Larry David, like, do I go watch this movie with my friends or do I go sweat f- for two hours with a bunch of kids that I hate? And I...
1: That's incredible I, that you had a specific moment like that, like a choice. Yeah. Because for most people, I feel like the season's over and and maybe I'll pick it up next year and you just don't register for the, the sport or whatever.
0: Yeah, well it was one of those things where I'd like gotten my split down to where I was I was hitting that that two K in under seven minutes and I was still in like the C boat and I was like, you know, I'm I'm better than the kids in the B boat, you know. I should at least be there. I bet you if were not fucking ripped,
1: boat. man. Like rowing as a as a sport is like one of the best full body sports you can do, where you just totally chiseled. It's not, like, a
0: muscly sport, though. It's, like, because you're out in, like, cold weather, yeah. like, in the mornings and stuff. So, you never get, like, you never get, you're you're very lean and, and you have, like, good muscle tone. But it's not, like, weightlifting.
1: I've got some real back envy, you know, <laughs> hearing about this because I'm sure your back's never going to let you down. Yeah. The back growing up the like The back that. does
0: get a nice workout. Um, mm. I've always thought if I ever have enough space for it that I would like to get a rowing machine as a, like, that is a that's a a workout that I like know how to do pretty well yeah what about you what were your sports growing
1: up back when I used to go to the gym the rower was was a thing I liked to do but very difficult yeah like like, it's not the kind of warm-up that I felt like invigorated for the rest of my workout after it made me (laughs) tired it made me tired for the workout that followed in a unproductive way oh man it
0: used to be like like, if I knew I had a 2K coming up on Friday, it ruined my week because yeah. it was so scary to know, like, that you had to, like, work that hard. Like, just, it's just, it, you know, it's it's a sprint, but it's, like, a seven-minute sprint. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it really fucks your shit up.
1: Yeah. Like, literally everything else, Ben, uh, I may be the one making fun of you about a thing but but i'm the one that has less experience or like my stories aren't aren't as interesting as yours like and and that would go in sport and it would go in filmmaking and it would go for for most things in life what i'm, I'm the i'm the uh, the mud thrower but i <laughs> but and it, also but it's,
0: very self-deprecating
1: it's all bullshit here's here's my here's my uh sports history. Little kid soccer, just like you. Yeah. Very, yeah. very get out of the house and, and run yourself ragged, kid, was the message there. My family then moved to the Seattle area and I don't know if it's like this where you grew up, but it felt very different to me athletically to enter in a place that took little league baseball very seriously. Very seriously. Oh, yeah. And so I thought I was joining something fun and recreational. And what it ended up being was like coach dads (laughs) instilling an amount of seriousness at the expense of fun that made it really difficult to enjoy for more than a season. And so after that first season, I stopped stopped playing. It didn't. I mean, and this was uh, this is not to be confused with the middle school baseball league that i baseball team that i played on which i don't know about you when you're in uh in the seventh grade in middle school yeah uh, that's basically the best time for minds bodies and hearts to be thrown into anything competitive (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you know you do your tryout and then you get if you're me you think you did pretty well during tryouts but instead are put on the not just the jv team but the the JV JV team, the EJV team, extremely the, junior. The team that they don't even have enough uniforms for. So you're wearing the <laughs> girls softball uniforms, <laughs> and that's that's what we did. Wow! And, uh, some of my some of my both favorite memories and most awful memories of middle school come from playing baseball around that time I I left baseball as soon as possible after an inglorious season <laughs> went to play tennis in middle school yeah. which ended up being great for me uh, it felt like uh, like I played both singles and doubles and I felt like playing singles was was good for the confidence good for my athleticism I it was something yeah. I felt like I was good at and it was fun to that was like my first taste of being good at something uh, and uh, like winning a game against a stranger is a lot when you were a middle schooler without a lot of confidence. Oh, absolutely. So, so yeah. that was... And,
0: and in a one-on-one context too, like that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I and- never had that. I I I took like tennis lessons a few times and I went to tennis camp a couple of summers, but I never actually like played in any like competitive context like that and i can only imagine what that feels like
1: it felt good i i remember playing baseball one last time in middle school i never played any sports in high school but there was never like i i played rec league basketball like you the uh the y league or whatever and i played that for many years throughout middle school so i do have a lot of rec league sports experience but none of it like i was uh i was so bad at all of them (laughs) how bad were you (laughs) like you can be bad enough at sports to where like love of the game isn't isn't enough like it does not outpace the love you have and i really loved playing baseball and tennis but it got to be the point where like i peter principled my like (laughs) Like whatever sub Peter Principle is, where like you never rise to the level of anything, in spite of how much you love what you're doing, and so like there was never a Rudy moment for me where where my effort would inspire others. It was just like my inability to play didn't inspire anyone, and then eventually inspired (laughs) me to stop playing sports.
0: Well, Adam, do you want to uh, put on our Ferengi sized
1: baseball hats? And get into the episode yeah, for today. I, I feel like our Marin's running long, if only because there's not a whole lot to talk about when we discuss <laughs> uh, the gem. When we discuss the diamond of season seven, right? Yeah. It's Deep Space Nine Season Seven, Episode Four. Take me out to the HoloSuite.
0: Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> No, of course you don't. This episode opens with Captain Solok of the Tecumbra paying a visit to Captain Sisko. Captain Solok is uh, in command of a Del Sol-class ship that's docked at the station, having uh, comported itself with a, a great deal of glory on the front lines of the Dominion War. Uh, they're there for you know refit and repairs. And uh, Solak's there to, like, deliver his, his list of repairs to Captain Sisko.
1: God, every time we see an establishing shot of a Del Sol, God damn, best button Starfleet. <laughs> that's a that's, yeah. a that's a hell
0: of a handsome ship there. Uh-huh. I did, it, it's really an L.A. face with an Oakland booty on the Del Sol.
1: Really bounce a roll of quarters up <laughs> of the back of that thing.
0: <laughs> it got Cap- a drink on it. You can see it from the front.
1: <laughs> Break the internet, Tecumbra. <laughs> <laughs> I love the trivia of this being an all-Vulcan crew. There's a dark element to that kind of thing.
0: There's a dark element to this whole story, which is that Captain Solak is a strident racist. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know why he has a commission in Starfleet when he, his views are as retrograde as this.
1: He's got a Vulcan harp with a big blue string running down the middle of it. He's, a, he, <laughs> he's got a, uh,
0: under, his, uh, under his uniform, he's wearing a t-shirt that says ZD, ZC, <laughs> zero diversity and zero combinations.
1: Wow. <laughs> I want to talk to you about acting in this establishing scene to get a sense for whether or not you felt the way I did. There is so much like like two like two mountain goats like bashing their heads, their horns against each other in this scene. Yeah. There is a quality to Solak and the Cisco's conversation here where I kept waiting for them to crack and hug. There feels like a performance aspect to this that that felt so 10 out of 10 that that eventually Mm -hmm. they're going to be like, ah, come on, man, bring it in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, I I mean, it doesn't help that the first thing Cisco says is you got a lot of nerve coming here after that (laughs) stunt you pulled.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that there's a weird uh, expectation of pressure release that never comes.
0: Yeah, and it's an interesting scene too because Solak is standing and Cisco is sitting, and it's shot in two singles. It's it's cutting back and forth between them, but the camera is below their the eyeline on both of them, so yeah. they're both shot in that like like if you position the camera below an actor's eyes, it makes them look tall and imposing and powerful. And if like like the obvious way to shoot this scene is to put the camera that is on Cisco. Above his eyeline, sure. like as though it is from Solak's perspective, but then it would yield some of the power in the scene to Solok, And and I thought that it was a, a smart choice to shoot it the way they did.
1: It turns out Solak's crew is obsessed with bases ball. <laughs> and, and they're obsessed with the game at Cisco, because as we learned throughout the episode, the Cisco has gone winless against Solak In every competition they've ever had.
0: This is an episode about a Louisville slugger measuring contest that has been with these two men their entire career.
1: It's so weird that the winner is obsessed with 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 taking Cisco down so often in stories of competition it's the loser that keeps trying to win over <laughs> and over again until finally <laughs> maybe there's a chance but yeah. but in this story it feels like the Cisco is just being bullied
0: and that's weird yeah. I mean Solak has the axe to grind of any racist right he like needs to he like racism doesn't actually hold up under any Scrutiny, so racists are constantly trying to rationalize it to themselves.
1: Well, I mean, to take the other side. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Adam, I don't know. Sure, you want to do that?
0: <laughs>
1: do-do-loo, do-do-loo, well, you just cut about 13 minutes out of that episode, and we're yeah. back. <laughs> I love this next scene in the wardroom where it's clear that uh, Cisco has personally vouched for the rest of the crew's interest in having a little baseball game on the holosuite and playing competitively against Solak's team of Vulcans. They all come
0: come in here expecting a McLaughlin group about some kind of war game or serious competition, but it's a slide whistle McLaughlin group. Right. The deal is that Solak has like a hollow holodeck program that he likes to run for his crew and the competition is going to take place in the context of this program and they've got 2 weeks for Ben and Jake Cisco to sort of whip the crew of Deep Space 9 into shape and this starts with book learning and there's a lot of attempted comedy right <laughs> with the characters studying the infield fly rule on ipads fly
1: the term for a batted ball while it is in the air we cut over to Demar and wayun where they have both mutually <laughs> agreed to take two weeks off of the war for no reason yeah. <laughs> so yeah. this really fits nicely into everyone's schedule
0: yeah, I, I thought it was a nice touch that they're standing there in their war room and there's a guy that walks through selling concessions. Canar here! <laughs> get your canar here! Ice cold canar! Canar! Five! All right, buddy! Five dollars! And then people pass the canar down the line yeah. and then the money gets passed
1: down the line back. I mean, people complain about the price of canar at, at the games, but it's fun because sometimes you get that giant novelty bottle. <laughs> with, the, with the logo of your team on it, it feels special. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's okay to overpay for special occasions.
0: Absolutely. And it can, you know, like that's what keeps these things alive, you know? Yeah. That's the lifeblood of the ballpark is the expensive canar.
1: <laughs> the dip and Dots at a Cardassian uh, baseball game come in a giant spoon, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so the crew
0: like learns the rules by book learning first and uh, say bell they ring for a long time and over a number of scenes. Oh yeah. Uh, It starts in ops then it cuts to Quark's bar. In Quark's bar uh, Ram and Lita have caught wind of this game and are really interested in participating themselves. They want to try out for the team. Quark does not though.
1: No he doesn't but he also wants to fit in like he doesn't want to be left out of moments like these
0: he should he should be like this is great while everybody's on the hollow suite doing that bullshit i'm gonna do crime
1: that is exactly where his mind should be on his money but it isn't
0: yeah he's got his mind on this baseball and this baseball on his mind rather
1: there are tryouts is what the cisco organizes as if he has any more players possible than the ones that he has. <laughs> You're going to make the team if you try out for the
0: Niners, Ben. I would have liked to see Morn in the tryouts. This ball is crushed.
1: And Morn getting cut.
0: Here he comes on a run. And now Fisticuffs.
1: There are a number of parts of this episode where I, I wondered why the focus was where it was, given... The many possibilities that Mm -hmm. a story like this presents. (laughs) In the Hollow Suite, Sisko gives a speech so inspiring, we've never heard anything like it during wartime. I was like, where is this Sisko pin? This, This is great. I'm ready to play for him.
0: It's about courage. And it's also about faith. And it is also. About heart. And if there's one thing our Vulcan friends lack, it's heart. He introduces the team to Jake, for some reason, the slider Cisco, who's going to be their secret weapon.
1: Uh, it looks like to me that he's packing a secret weapon because <laughs> I was very distracted by the <laughs> giant bulge that was basically center frame. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about
0: the uh, the athletic cup that... A uh, a character like Worf might be wearing. Do you do you have to design it differently if you're a double donged
1: species? Oh man, I'm sure you're just coiling those up like cable inside there. But uh, pitchers <laughs> don't wear cups, but Sirach Lofton does. I never pitched in little league. They never let me do that. Probably couldn't find a cup big enough for you. <laughs>
0: No, it's probably because I showed up in a cup and they're like, this guy can't pitch. He doesn't know the first thing about it.
1: So we have two weeks of tryouts with Jake's giant bulge, the Cisco's inspiring speeches to carry them through. And so we get again...
0: I feel like this was already like kind of a lazy bit of writing though, because it's like, I was like, is there a tryout day and then it's practice after that? Or is it all tryouts or is it practice... That is also tryouts or something like the the stakes that you could be cut from the team or not picked up on the team are something that I'm as a viewer wanting them to set up and then pay off. And I feel like they half set up and half pay that off, you know.
1: Because the only person to get kicked off the team during practice is Rom. Who, uh, played
0: by Max Gerdanchik, who ironically is apparently the best baseball player of the entire Deep Space Nine cast. Did you read this? I
1: did, yeah. And he had to <laughs> he had to play left-handed because he could not, as great of an actor as he is, he could not act like he didn't know how to play. He, ha- he has too much game to play right-handed. <laughs> That'd be plausibly bad. Sorry, guys, I can't do anything less than my best.
0: Yeah. you know They really lean on him for the physical comedy in this, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's another thing that they could have spent more time with, you know, characters being, you know, like being bad at throwing a baseball is something everybody goes through when they first learn how to throw a baseball. Right. And then you get better. And they had a cast of people that had a large variety of level of skill levels so they could have done stuff with that but they they leave all of that stuff to rom
1: you're taking this episode way too seriously ben (laughs) i understand it but i'm trying to engage
0: with this episode on the episode's terms
1: (laughs) there's so much meat on both the story and comedy bone because For some reason, Ben Sisko recruits Odo as an umpire when he would be the most formidable batter and fielder (laughs) on that team. Yeah. He could Mr. Fantastic the entire infield and have coverage of it.
0: He doesn't need to hit the cutoff, man. He can catch a ball and tag the batter out at home plate from center field.
1: (laughs) In the event of a rainout, I can also be the tarp. (laughs)
0: i will form a dome over the stadium and continue to play my position
1: i mean ideas like these seem to be coming from a place of this is what we can do instead of what might be interesting to do you know this this feels like a story that is built from its constraints instead of its possibilities
0: yeah, and, and, you know, there's a lot of fire in Cisco's belly early on about this. Like, like, despite how, like, catastrophically shitty the team is at the outset, like, he keeps kind of making proclamations like, I'm going to win this game. Like, we are going to walk off that field victorious at the end of two weeks. We are going to beat them. Am I right? Yeah. I really admire the pluck, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's what you want out of a manager—is that kind of fire. Yeah. And uh, to a person, I think everyone is bringing their best effort in, in spite of how little talent they have for this. Like they're—they're they're straight up injuring themselves in order to do this. <laughs> or in Quark's case, getting injured. Knitting together a couple of bones is not major surgery, Quark. It is if the bones are in the back of your skull. Yeah, I mean, Quark endures a skull fracture. Uh, somehow during practice.
0: Yeah, because Rom was just swinging the bat around without looking to see if anyone was nearby.
1: <laughs> That's a lot of skull back there. Yeah. <laughs> I got to believe he's going to be all right.
0: So we know Rom can hit the broadside of a barn.
1: Right. Right. Cisco knows he needs a secret weapon. That secret weapon ends up being Cassidy Yates, who, aside from being a baseball fan is not the secret weapon that I thought she would be, you know? Like, I thought she would be the the pinch hitter, you yeah. know, one to win the game for you. It's not like that.
0: No, but, like, she can field a ground ball, which yeah. is, like, not really something that most of the other players can do.
1: She's, like... You want to put one of your best players at third, and I think that's where she is, yeah?
0: I believe you're correct with that. Um, yeah, she's, uh, she, like... There's a lot uh this is another thing that they they like set up a little bit like okay like Cassidy's going to be awesome and it's barely paid off like it's it's barely like yeah it would be it would have been awesome if Cassidy had like come up to the plate and like pointed at the at the outfield with her bat and just like dinged one right this is like one of those we got buried in a hole in the first inning kind of sports stories and can we can we get ourselves out yeah so they don't ever like none of the players ever get to do something like totally awesome which is kind of unfortunate i think like i think that it would have been really fun to see wharf like hit the leather off of a baseball it would have been really fun to see i guess uh Ezri's like one of the few characters that gets to do something like really physically amazing except for it's just like a like a man with a mustache <laughs>
1: <laughs> that they got to be her her stunt double for that one moment. <laughs> it's uh it's like it's like that scene in spaceballs. <laughs>
0: Spectacular stunt, my friends. but all for naught.
1: Yeah, that was bizarre, especially because we are aware of special skills that this crew has. I mean, we got many, many episodes of Julian Bashir being great at darts, for right. example and mm-hmm. and great at racket sports. Next to, I won't even say next to, there is zero reference made about Dr. Bashir's abilities in those areas being desirable qualities for baseball. He should be great at this. Yeah. And it's not a story.
0: I feel like he should have been on the pitcher's mound given his dart skills, right?
1: Yeah. And like, you don't have to win the game. Like, Here's the thing, like to make Bashir great... Is Cisco
0: a terrible coach? Like, does he just look at this team and not see where
1: their potential lies? I think that's the unintended subtext because like, (laughs) if, if you're making a story that's like, you know, the crew comes together and rallies around their captain and does something inspiring, even though they lose, you know, it's a very bad news bears type story. Nothing about that idea is ruined by inserting a couple of really good players onto your team. This is why really good players don't mean your baseball team is good. Like I grew up watching the Seattle Mariners, which are were like notably a team with one or two great players. They didn't go anywhere for a long yeah. time.
0: I mean, like the subtext is that Cisco is a bad coach, but I think that like his failures are the writer's failures, right? Like the writer failing to see these these angles that could be played. In his own script.
1: Ronald D. Moore gets the writer credit here, but I think you read this too. Like this was a total reskin of a script that Iris Stephen Bear wrote for fame. Like there are plot beats and story beats in this Uh that were lifted directly from another episode of another TV show. Wow. And I I think when you, (laughs) for whatever reason, I think if... If you're stepping up to the pre-production of this show and you see an opportunity to be expedient or an opportunity to be interesting, it looks like they chose the first path. Yeah. honest about it, Mr. I have to revert to My State.
0: There's a bunch of scenes of people trying and failing to be good at baseball. And they're getting closer and closer to the big game. There's a scene where Captain Solok comes and like sits in the bleachers t- and watches them practice for a while, which is like some some real stone cold shit. Yeah, I like. I mean, like Solok is definitely a villain in more ways than one. And the they just like coming and mean mugging the entire team for a while because he's got that kind of free time on his hands as, as a captain of a starship. <laughs> It was a great moment, but uh, the I'd say like the big uh, the big bummer in the episode is when Cisco kicks Ram off the team for sucking ass.
1: That's it, you're done.
0: For I mean, and and kicks Ram off the team specifically for swinging a baseball bat and losing his grip on it, and the bat almost hitting for some reason Jake. I'll do better tomorrow, Captain. No, you won't. You are finished. Gone off the team.
1: He's really like taking a wrestling amount of bumps, like. I don't know how many takes you swing a bat entirely around your body and then hit the dirt with it. Yeah. But, I mean, there's no faking hitting the dirt the way he does. It looks painful.
0: Yeah. I really Really threw himself into this.
1: As a real athlete, I admire his willingness to do that. Totally. The team really
0: rallies around Rom here. They're like, yes, like Cisco was totally out of line. He was being a complete prick, and we're going to quit. So that uh, you know, in solidarity with you, and Ram is the one that is uh, is like, no, I want to see these Vulcans get beat, even if I'm only watching from the the uh, stands.
1: I saw this as a reverse psychology ploy, and that no one wanted Ram to play on their team, but they wanted <laughs> to make it seem as make it seem as though they did. Uh. Did you get a whiff of that in the scene? Uh, I didn't pick up on that, but I like the I like the read a lot. Maybe my favorite part of the story is that O'Brien unfortunately has aggravated a kayak injury. He's going to be unable to play. I was
0: kayaking on the holodeck again. You dislocated your shoulder, oh.
1: and thus relegated to bench coach slash first base coach duty. Doesn't stop him from doing a little bit of uh, replicator research, and he, and he makes himself some scotch-flavored gum.
0: Did someone just fuck a clown in here? I mean, really?
1: Doesn't that sound delicious? I mean, it's something I would try. It's like that licorice gum, you know? Right, yeah.
0: I'll try anything once. Yeah. In Cisco's quarters, he and Cassidy sort of get into what grinds his gears about Captain Solok, and this is where we get the, the backstory that... Uh, Back at in his academy days, he and Solak were in the same year, and Cisco was like tying one on with a bunch of friends at a bar somewhere. Solak
1: was like, "You wrestle Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> you talk and you talk, but you have Michael no <laughs> Roman human."
0: <laughs> i got to say, wrestling a sober Vulcan sounds like a very specific masturbation technique. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey,
1: uh, sorry I was late. I had to uh, wrestle the sober Vulcan, you know what I mean. (laughs) But now I'm feeling
0: very relaxed and able to focus in a way that I couldn't before.
1: It's actually a very effortful kind of onanism because it takes three times the strength that uh, it usually would. (laughs)
0: But the stakes are high for all non Vulcan species here because what he reveals is that Solok has basically had a hobby ever since this wrestling match of publishing psychology papers and things about what useless pieces of shit humanity are for having the capacity to emotionally overreact to somebody pushing their buttons the way Solok
1: did. It's so strange to think about a Vulcan acting like this. I mean, we for a long time, I think we've understood that, you know, Vulcans are a very uh, do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do type of <laughs> people. But, like, the spitefulness of this Sola character to basically be the adult bully of Ben Sisko for years. Yeah. Comes as kind yeah. of a shock to me. Amazing how
0: little insight he has into his own emotional reaction to other people. But this scene ends with Ben Sisko begging Cassidy Yates not to tell the crew about what the real dispute is here. And it's a smash cut to a secret second McLaughlin group. Issue two. In which she is spilling the beans about this wrestling match beef
1: let's just do a show without pat buchanan a secret (laughs) show isn't this nice he's not here dog whistling it's it's really good cut to pat buchanan reading all of the books that Solak wrote about racial (laughs) superiority There is some argument about like, why not tell the team why this is so important? This is the Cassidy v. Ben Sisko conflict here. Like, why keep this a secret? That that there's a personal grudge happening here.
0: They don't understand why you're so caught up in this. Oh no,
1: I'd rather they think I'm just caught up in some baseball game than pursuing an adolescent rivalry.
0: Also, it's not a secret. Solok publishes these papers. <laughs> It's a great point. I don't understand
1: the choices being made by these characters in this moment.
0: It's not great, and uh, the game starts, and like pretty soon, there's a you know ball that gets called as a strike situation that gets Cisco to run out of the dugout and like tap. Odo on the chest and get thrown out of the game.
1: Rule number 4.06, subsection A, paragraph four, look it up, but do it in the stands. You're gone!
0: And it's like, well, there there, you've got it. Like, that is what Solok needed. Like, win or lose. Like, mm-hmm. w- whichever way this game goes, yeah. Solok got what he came for. So, <laughs> like, can we pack it up and end the episode early?
1: this fucking show (laughs) (laughs) the promise of odo as umpire i think includes a couple of things one of them is that in an episode that has already given you montage after montage we were going to get frank drebin as umpire at a baseball game style montage treatment here (laughs) where odo does flashy founder tricks you know, yeah. with it, with his gestures, <laughs> and like uh, a foul tip goes through his face and hits the backstop. <laughs> like those are two that I just came up with off the top of my head, Ben. Like where is the flashy, yeah. fun? Like, where's the science fiction to this baseball game?
0: It, where th- is the scene where he shows up in his jersey and somebody says like, oh, you're supposed to have like a face mask and a, and a chest guard. And he like, inflate, his chest inflates <laughs> to, you know.
1: Yeah, you know what? Uh, the, the move that he made with the belt a couple of seasons ago was so great. Like, we yeah. don't need to do that again. If you have a <laughs> choice budget-wise, whether or not you want him to inflate his chest protector during the baseball episode or make a belt... I mean, we know where the priorities lie. (laughs) What the hell?
0: (laughs) Instead, the montages we get in this game are just like the camera in a static shot on the scoreboard as the innings go on and the Vulcan score goes up and up and up.
1: Shooting sports is hard, man. And I really noticed, I felt like they did a capable job here. But what you get a lot of is uh, behind the pitcher angle, at a batter, a pitch being thrown, and then a butt cut to a closer shot of the batter making contact with the ball. Right. Because that's all you can do. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, like, mostly it's it's fine, and, like, you, you can follow the, the way each play is going, yeah. which it's possible to screw that up.
1: Yeah. I like that they didn't do that thing that you see so often where they move the pitcher closer to the batter, to make it look like they're throwing faster, right? Like you see that a lot in TV and movies where they fake the distance, but that's not the case. Uh, Serak Lofton looks like he's got some game here with his pitches, in spite of giving up a first pitch dong. What are you doing? What are you
0: doing? what are you doing now?
1: A couple of other things happen here. Kira gets rolled up on a slide in the second. I I wanted to jump into the screen at that <laughs> you don't roll up Kira.
0: Yeah. That's your girl. Yeah. I liked Rom being the only person in the crowd. I think uh, this is Rom showing that he's the bigger man by still showing up for the game despite being treated like shit by Cisco. And then when Cisco is ejected from the game, Showing that he's the smaller man by, like, not going and sitting next to Rom, going and sitting by himself in a different part of the bleachers. That was pretty withering, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not fun. <laughs> pretty, pretty nasty. But
1: um, Everyone's wearing a batting helmet except for Worf. Did you notice that? And, like, they have mm. bigger size hats for the Ferengi, but only a slightly bigger size hat for Worf. Right. It probably looked too cartoonish to give him a batting helmet going over that
0: loaf, right? (laughs) Yeah, they they just give him his first contact space helmet, and they're like, this is the only thing we could do. (laughs) Yeah. But Cisco realizes, like, this game is not going to be about actually winning on a basis of points. It's going to be winning on the basis of heart, something that the Vulcans could never win on.
1: No, it's true.
0: And who's got the most
1: heart on the team, Adam? It's Rom. Yeah, it's Rom. Put me in, coach. Um, I'm uh, ready to play. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Pinch hitting for Jake is Rom, and he is buoyed by a loving crowd that is uh, called for on the holosuite. Computer. come on, Rom. Your attention, please. Now, pitch hitting for Jake Cisco, number thirteen. Rom. Turns out that's what he needed. He didn't need like the scrutiny of a quiet stadium. What he needed was kind of the distraction of a raucous audience. Right.
0: Maybe the the best joke in the episode is Rom not understanding what the secret signals mean. Right. About bunting and accidentally bunting anyways. Right. Uh, And he he bunts his own son home.
1: This dive into home, I thought, was great. Yeah. This is so hard to make look good and athletic. And between the angle and the actor and everything, the headfirst slide was great.
0: Yeah. It's like Aaron Eisenberg, like, a thousand percent goes for it. Mm -hmm. But also, like, just seeing the loaf in the... Yeah. You know, in the slide and stuff is like it's just a f- fun and funny shot.
1: It's big fun.
0: So they put one point up on the board. That you know the team empties the dugout and uh, goes and picks up. Ram and puts him on their shoulders, and uh, Captain Solok takes great umbrage with this and tries to get Odo's attention and uh, insist that he uh, bring some order to the game and and continue. And by by, uh, making contact with Odo's shoulder to do so, Solok gets himself
1: thrown out of the game.
0: The game is not over!
1: Mildly satisfying. I guess. Yeah, he's so angry that they've carried Rom off the field, and the game isn't over. And I understand this. Yeah, I'm becoming more irate as I watch the episode, and I, I actually take Solok's side here. You got to finish the game, guys. Yeah. Adam's uh,
0: Adam came to record today's episode wearing a logicians baseball hat. So
1: yeah, big fan. I mean, where else are you going to celebrate your big win? Uh, in the rec league game i mean there, there's no applebee's on the station <laughs> you
0: gotta take <laughs> it, it all, over to quarks it was always round table pizza for us
1: yeah i mean if we'd ever won a game yeah that's a classic but
0: uh yeah the button on the episode is the uh is the big party uh one thing i read about this scene is that odo and Worf are in it except for it's not michael torn or renee aubergenois it's their it's their camera doubles so they just put them kind of in the deep background
1: that has got to be so terrifying when you're at the end of schedule or the end of day and for whatever reason like two actors are not available and you need to shoot your scene
0: yeah if you didn't get like a good look at the at the guy that plays wharf in this scene i encourage you to go back and, and take a look <laughs> at him because he looks he looks he looks like a deer in headlights, man. He's like, uh, <laughs> I want to hide. I don't want to be here. Right. I don't like this, this.
1: This is not what I've been trained to do. <laughs>
0: it's very, very funny. And Solok doesn't get it. He doesn't get why why the team is celebrating. And that's kind of the point, right?
1: This is how he wins. <laughs> Unclear how many books or papers Solak is going to write about this game or this incident in Quarks. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think this is going to have the desired effect that Cisco thinks it does. <laughs> Solak has a very long memory and a unique attention on Ben Cisco that I don't think anything is going to break.
0: The final shot of the episode: uh, the the team signs a baseball and they give it to Cisco. He tosses it up in the air, and in like a slow motion fade, it crossfades to the station, and we go to credits. But did you like the episode, Adam?
1: This may surprise you to hear, Ben. After after the both of us just took our Louisville sluggers to this thing, <laughs> I love this episode. Yeah,
0: it's a good episode. I thought thought it was so
1: much fun. I think... Like, it's a a rare
0: episode that could have a script this bad and still be really fun to watch.
1: That makes it a miracle, I think. I think more than most other episodes, it really teases you about all the possibilities. Like, and in a way, like, many episodes are incapable of. Like, we've talked about episodes where we've come up with interesting alts that we kind of craved, but... Like, where is, where is Morn sitting in the stands eating a bucket <laughs> of seeds? Like, right. <laughs> where is the green Gatorade that obviously the Vulcans drink? Ah, oh, that like, would have been great. The, and between that and like Bashir and Worf not being utilized like they could, what makes this episode fun is thinking about all of the possibilities. And, and in a strange way, thinking about all of them does not... Uh, diminish how much fun the episode is because it's I think there's something in its pacing that is just pretty fast, pretty light, pretty yeah. pretty low calorie episode.
0: Yeah. It doesn't have a B story. Like it it's all A, and that's yeah. sometimes a recipe for a an A that is, you know, not beefy enough to span an entire forty five minutes of television, but this keeps your interest and stays fun the entire time.
1: It feels like everyone is having fun on this episode in a way they can't suppress.
0: Yeah, right, yeah, and that fun is infectious. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. You know what else is fun, Adam, is the priority one inbox of the greatest generation. Do you want to see if we have any transmissions?
1: As soon as you began that statement, I knew I'd made a terrible mistake by closing my browser. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go find those P1s.
0: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured
1: channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental Supplemental.
0: Supplemental. supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first Priority One message is from Joe, and it's to Ben and Adam. It goes like this. I started listening to TGG last year while watching TNG as my first ever Star Trek viewing experience. I'm about halfway through Deep Space Nine now, so still about 19 months behind live. It's been fun to do my first ever Trek viewing with you guys and this show. You've made me a Trek convert. Can't wait to catch up to this message
1: and keep up the great work. Wow. Hey, does that make Joe a gold star Star Trek fan? Wow. If his first time watching TNG is with us.
0: I mean, that's, that's pretty special. I think that's the ideal way to to get into Star Trek.
1: We've really corrupted Joe. (laughs) Indeed. That's great. Uh, Ben, our second Priority One message is from Vadim. It is to Vadim. The message goes like this. Dear A and B, is it selfish to send yourself a birthday wish? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is yes, but I don't care. Happy 40th birthday to me. Thanks, Gil. For introducing me to the pod and putting me within Kevin Bacon range of the hosts by way of your family connection to Raz. Wow. Thanks to Gil, Mike, and Chaitanya for great hangs at SF Sketchfest. Cool. Thanks, A and B, for the amazing pod. Oh, wow. That, that reference to Sketchfest stabs me right in the heart. Yeah. I love Sketchfest. I do uh, too.
0: I'm good memories there. I'm anticipating that Sketchfest is not a 2021 thing that will be happening and that makes me really sad.
1: You remember the time we accidentally ordered Peking duck for the table and no one else at the table wanted a whole Peking duck so you and I ended up just like gritting our way through as much of that as we could at like 1 in the morning. Yeah. Mistakes yeah. were made. It's
0: uh one of the many things that is great about Sketchfest is the just total gluttony we engage in once once we've done our live shows. <laughs> uh,
1: I, we've got a lot of great memories from Sketchfest, and uh, it sounds like Vadim and co do too. Can't wait to make it back there when we can.
0: Yeah. Well, Adam, if people want to get a priority one message for the show, the way to do that is by heading to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message and we appreciate it because it's uh, one of the few revenue streams we have for this thing
1: you might have heard us talk about squarespace before and you're thinking what do i need a website for i already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by seven customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, that's squarespace.com, the code is scarves. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy, and that sucks, right? because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Hi, Adam Pratica here for Podshop.biz, the easy way to dress, drink, and decorate virtually anything fast with embarrassment that lasts. Podshop.biz is not a cult and it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's a supercharged carousel of crap spinning at a high rate of speed for all your dorky needs. Ordinary web stores are a mess, but with Podshop.biz, you'll find products from all of our shows referring to many of our most popular bits. Shirts, glasses, and bags from other websites can damage your mood, but not with Podshop.biz. Our nerdy jokey bullshit will rebuild your damaged attitude and turn you into a person with riz. Turn your laptop from off the shelf to off the hook with a sticker. Make pool time cool time with our line of hilarious swimwear. And stop raw dogging your smartphone. Strap it up with the choice of designs that will have you go from saying hello to hello. But that's not all. At Podshop.biz you can choose from the Brenner Information Systems Collection, the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporate Collection, This Old Enterprise, logos for Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, and more. Order now at podshop.biz. Back for another game. You know it.
0: What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker owned co op. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? <laughs>
1: Shimoda! Man, there are a lot of Shimodas in this episode. It is... It's a real cavalcade of Shimodas. I mean, I can't give the Shimoda to the field (laughs) the way I would like. Here's here's who I'll give my Shimoda to. I'm going to give my Shimoda to Odo because you never want to be caught jacking out (laughs) by, by someone. And that's what he's doing when Kira walks by uh, his security office. He's practicing. He's practicing mm. his 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 calling people out. Yeah, and I think I think you got to pull the shades
0: for something like that. That's something you don't want to do with your back to a glass door.
1: <laughs> yeah, because all you see is shoulder roll, and mm-hmm. uh, who knows what that could be. People are going to interpret
0: that a lot of different ways.
1: What about you, Ben? Uh, my
0: Shimoda is Kira a moment very early in the episode that just, it, it made me, it was like, it was my first laugh out loud moment of the episode. Cisco comes out of his meeting with Solok and says to Kira, like, I need you to assemble the senior staff immediately. And we cut to the wardroom, room and Nog is in there? <laughs> what oh, what no. does Kira think Nog's rank is? <laughs> That's hilarious. So, uh, for... For assuming that by senior staff, Cisco meant everyone including Nog. Kira gets my drunk Shimoda.
1: Maybe Nog is sitting down after having done the catering for the meeting. <laughs> like he wheeled in the uh the, the coffee cart.
0: Yeah. I could see him like sitting in the in on in, on, in a chair that's like up against the wall, you know, like uh like you see in a high level political meeting, like the the aides and assistants of the various secretaries sit in the meeting, but not at the table.
1: There's always a log of these meetings, but there's a, there's also the need for physical notes to be taken. And so Nog's right. role is is to do the minutes. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to keep things on track. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of keeping things on track, Adam, uh, how do you feel about me heading over to gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes... The Will of the Prophets, and uh, figuring out how next week's episode is going to go.
1: Game of buttholes, a surprise around every corner for
0: (laughs) us. That's true. No surprise uh, is that next episode is season seven, episode five, Chrysalis. Bashir becomes romantically involved with a genetically engineered patient.
1: Hmm. He's
0: genetically engineered.
1: We both like the same beverages. <laughs> uh, currently, that runabout is on square fifty-five. Where uh, one square ahead is a looking at each other during uh, a square that you and I definitely do not want to hit.
0: Yeah, we don't want to get coronavirus.
1: We <laughs> we're so committed to Game of Buttholes. Well with the profits that uh one or both of us dies, <laughs> yeah, we break
0: quarantine and actually buy it because of this stupid podcast
1: you know what would be so god we would deserve it too is is that it would just be nothing but r s v. p. Ben and Adam on Twitter right? <laughs> <laughs> that's our legacy, yeah, there it would be Get that by <laughs> us. You're required to learn as you play. Roll.
0: And I'm going to roll. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. And I've rolled a four. So I've, uh, I've jumped over, looking at each other during, onto square 59. Nice. And uh, that puts us in range of a space butthole and a starship mine square for the next time we roll. But for the rest of the week, people can uh, go check out the online accounts of The Greatest Generation. We're at Greatest Trek on uh, Twitter and Instagram, and our buddy Bill Tilly is now running our social media accounts.
1: Yeah, Bill Tilly doing a great job on the social media ones and twos. Yeah,
0: (laughs) he's got two turntables and a Photoshop account. (laughs)
1: Uh, Music for the show created, of course with the help of Dark Materia generously offering up his work to you, me, and Adam Ragusia for the theme and interstitials on our program. Can't thank them enough yeah and
0: uh adam ragucia of course now youtube sensation with the cooking channel just search adam ragucia
1: this episode and every episode of the greatest generation is made possible by those that support it financially you can do that by going over to maximumfund.org slash join get yourself on a program monthly style it uh, gives you access to a whole bunch of extra episodes and uh Really helps keep the show going.
0: It sure does. Lots of really, really fun bonus apps up there.
1: With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which is genetically predisposed to being great. (laughs)